morning, everyone. Welcome to the Security Squawk Podcast. I'm your co-host, Brian Horning, with Reginald Andre and Randy Bryan. Welcome, gentlemen. How are you today? Pretty good, man. How's it going? Oh, can't complain. Not, not such a great weather day here in Philly, but how's things in, in San Marcos? Um, it's beautiful down here, uh, somewhere down in Texas. Gorgeous weather outside. It looks like you guys are both in sunny weather. Andre, how, where, what are you dealing with? Yeah, 86 and partly sunny. Yeah. Jealous, jealous. All right, boys. So welcome to another episode. And uh, let's get the social media thing going. Let's let, let's invite some people in and uh, get some viewers on, on this channel while we record live. Um, what do we got going on this week, boys? Uh, we're going to talk about a couple things. So uh, this week on this episode of Security Squad Podcast, we're going to dive into a couple topics, right? We're going to talk about something known as ransomware shame uh, and some pretty interesting statistics gathered by Fox Business. Um, and I think they're pretty eye-opening and, and um, statistics that probably people would be pretty shocked by. And then we're going to dive into a little bit of a discussion on why it's a really bad idea We've been seeing these massive ransomware attacks for probably about two years now at the, at the dollar figures that we're seeing um, prior to that. These numbers were not this high. Um, and why it's kind of really showing and the data is coming out that it's a bad idea to pay the ransom for a lot of different reasons. And we're going to go over those reasons uh, today on the show. Before we get into it, remember... Andre, Randy, and I don't get paid for this. We don't do sponsorships. We don't annoy you with any commercials or anything like that. So help us share the show. That's the only fee that we ask. Help us spread the word. Help us help other people become more cyber aware. And in that, they're going to be educated and they're going to know how to protect themselves uh, from these ever increasing and evolving threats uh, that we like to keep you in front of uh, by giving you the latest and greatest information. Our show is growing weekly, guys. Um, the downloads go up every single week. So people are finding us. Um, you know, But the 30 or 40 people that downloaded our show last week, if they share that out, then we get 60 downloads. Then we get 100 downloads, right? And that's how the word gets spread. So don't keep our content and our information in your own world. Share it out with your, your friends and family. If you think we do good, if you don't think we do good, don't come back and watch the show and don't share the show. And that's, that's, that's it. So uh, anything you guys want to jump into before I pull up the, the Fox news content? No, sir. All right, brother. There we go. So uh, I want to share the screen obviously, because I want people to see the, the, the data. Uh but ransomware shame, more than half of business owners conceal a cyber breach. Now, let's just start right there. Are you guys surprised? Because I'm not. Nope, not surprised at all. Um, nobody wants to tell their customers or to tell uh, their vendors or anything like that, that they weren't taking their security seriously or they had a breach in security. Nobody wants to be on the news for that. Yep. I read an article yesterday. Um I don't exactly remember where it was that I read it. Um, hang on, this video is going to start playing. Um, I don't remember exactly where I read it, but I read, oh, I think I know where I read it, and I think you guys are part of the same group. Um, 
this company came in, an IT company came in and did a ransomware remediation for a company. And they weren't a client of theirs initially. They, they're a client now, but they were, that business was hit for, that was the fourth time they were hit with ransomware. Wow. The fourth time. Um, and that business is small enough where it's, it's not going to get out there. Right. So people are doing business with other businesses that are getting hit with ransomware multiple times. Um, and, the, and every time, <clears throat> every time this company, the previous three times, the company paid the ransom and they got their data back. This fourth time they paid the ransom and they didn't get their data back. So they hired a company to come in and help them. So you have companies out there that are just like this company that don't work with any IT professionals. They won't work with any cybersecurity professionals. They do everything themselves because maybe the owner thinks he's got a handle on it. And then what they do is they turn around and they just pay the ransom and they have no professionals that are out there helping them with this stuff. So um, going into the article, one third 32% of enterprises experienced a six-figure breach last year, and well over half, 61% of business owners, admitted to concealing a breach, according to the findings from a global survey of over 1,400 IT decision makers at large organizations by cybersecurity firm Arctic Wolf. Um, now, I know Arctic Wolf. I know the businesses that they work with, and they don't work with small companies. They work with you know, mid to enterprise size companies. And 1,400 is a lot of, a, a lot of businesses. 14, you know, quite frankly, 1,400, not, it's not like they asked 100 businesses or 200 businesses. They asked 1,400 businesses. Um, and there aren't that many companies at the mid market and enterprise level. This is a significant number of businesses in that sector. That's what, that's what I'm trying to say. It's not like there's the small business sector where there's, you know, hundreds of thousands of small businesses. Um, when you get up to, you know, 10 million plus, you're in the 0.5% of businesses, right? If you make a million dollars, and I don't think a lot of people have this perspective. If you have a business that makes a million dollars, you are in the top 1% of businesses in this country. Which is like, you know, I, when I learned that, I, it blew my mind, right? When you get to three or five million, you're like less than half a percent that make it that far. So, you know, that's the perspective I think that people need to have because I don't think that people realize that there's a lot of sub $1 million a year companies out there, a lot more than the other side. Right, there. Ninety-nine percent of the businesses out there are doing a million dollars or less. So these companies that they asked in this survey are bigger companies um, that should really be reporting this stuff. Should probably be doing a lot more around cybersecurity that they are than they are. But let's look at the data, guys. Let's look at the rest of the survey. Um, and I want you guys to comment on, on your thoughts or your reactions to, to each of these. So 78% um, C-suite executives claim that they'd be willing to pay the ransom. I have a comment on the previous statistic. Yep. Just, just wondering where did Arctic, uh, Arctic Wolf, was this a survey of their existing clients? And it could be that the numbers 
these numbers could potentially be a little high if they were people that had been, you know, that had been breached before. And then that breach kind of drove them into the arms of Arctic Wolf. Just wondering. Um, my guess would be because I know this report um, and it's not a guess. They they surveyed the industry. So they put this out as a survey and asked basically CIOs and CISOs to fill it out. All right. Um, so you were saying, yeah, I was just saying, I want your guys' reaction to this one point here. 78% of C suite executives claim they would be willing to pay the ransom. Are you surprised by that? Um, um that's almost percent, right? So I'm not of- surprised mm-hmm. because I mean, these are people that it says C suite executives, so you're gonna you're talking about people that are most likely leaders by nature. And, you know, they don't want to get out into all the weeds and deal with all the, you know, this and that have taken forever to get back and probably just want to want a quick solution, you know? Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that, that that's the the main reason that they probably justify doing that is is that's their quickest way to pay dirt, right? That's the quickest way that they're going to get back up and running because, you know, when you talk to your your IT professionals – um, you're basically, you're going to come, you're going to hear from them that it's going to take us X amount of time to, you know, get the system back up and running from backups and things like that. And it's like, okay, ransomware negotiator, how long will it take for them to unencrypt the files? And it's, you know, half the time, um, seems like a better option up front, but let's be realistic what happens when we pay that ransom? Like what are the, some of the things that can happen and, and, and let's educate business owners. So they are aware that when you pay that ransom, it's not as cut and dry as you pay the money and you get your data back. So what are some things that could happen along the way? If I pay the ransom, if I'm a business owner, I pay the ransom. What are some things that could happen that could prevent me from getting my data back? Well, the, the first thing is paying the ransom. You're just now enticing that, hacker to just continue their operation. So you're kind of just um, allowing them to continue business, uh, affecting other businesses. And then secondly, um, even with paying, it's not a guarantee that you're going to get your information back. And it's also a very, very slow process uh, many times to uh, unencrypt that information. And then also you have what is called double extortion, where even though you paid, they can now go after whatever that information is, be it clients, vendors, or whatever. They can go after those people and then say, hey, we have your information. You need to pay us or else we're going to expose it. Yeah, and the statistical, I guess, reality is that only like a third get 100% of their data back. So when you pay the ransom. So you pay the ransom, maybe you get most of it back, but you're actually you know, below half of, of, um, you know, statistically, you know, flipping a coin, you know, you've got a pretty low chance of actually getting a hundred percent of it back anyway. Um, you know, but it's like that whole thing where, you know, like kidnapping, they say, you know, the U S doesn't negotiate with, you know, hostage takers or whatever. And, you know, everybody kind of agrees with that until it's somebody that they, that they know, you know what I mean? Then it becomes personal. 
And I, and I think like, it's real easy to say like, well, you know, we shouldn't pay the ransom and, you know, and it, and it just feeds cyber crime. But then these, these executives get in the middle of this and it's their business that's on the line. And that just, that psychology changes everything. And the cyber criminals are very good at making that psychology hit home. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent on that. I mean, you guys, I don't have anything to add. You guys hit the nail on the head. Um, these are the issues that, that crop up when you, when you think, Oh, I'll just pay the ransom. And, you know, quite frankly, a lot of businesses, cybersecurity plan or incident response plan is paying the ransom. So, um, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit, if that's a good idea or not. Um, and we have some data to, that shows, you know, that it might not be. Um, but let's go to the next one. 56% will be willing to pay over $100,000 to resume operations. Thoughts on that one? It's a small number. If you got, you know, 30, 40, 50 employees and they're all throwing the thumbs and can't work and you're losing, you know, if you're making a million in, in revenue, million plus, that's roughly about $100,000. Right. So, you know, pay it, like you said, it's it's the, let's just pay it and, and fix it. Let's let's just deal with the problem and let's move on. Yep. So, I, yeah. I agree 100% on that. And, you know, at the end of the day, $100,000 relative to what, right? What size companies are these, of these, four, of these 1,400? What size are we dealing with? You know, knowing Arctic Wolf, they're probably in that mid market and above. So you're definitely talking about well into, you know, close to 10 million, if not over 10 million. So you're really talking about a small percentage of, of revenue compared to like where they are at. So like if you were talking to a small business, who had a million dollars in revenue, $100,000 would seem like a lot. That's almost 10% of the revenue. But if you're closer to 10 million, this is 1% of your revenue, right? And you guys know, you know, we know that three to 6% is where things need to be right now of total revenue dedicated to IT or security. If, if you're looking at it, as both like IT infrastructure and cybersecurity, you're going to be closer to 6%, especially if you're in a regulated industry. Um, if you're looking at it separately, 3% for infrastructure, 3% for cybersecurity. Right. And that's like, that's how you get to the 6%. Like, and your whole IT budget should be close to 6%. That's what the industry standard really is right now. If you look at enterprise level companies and what they're spending. So, you know, if you are investing nothing into this, um, you know, and you're willing to pay the ransom, $100,000, somebody needs to consult with you and tell you that that's not nearly enough, um, especially when you're going to get a ransom demand of a couple million, right? $100,000 isn't going to get you anywhere. When we're seeing ransom demands, I mean, what happened to a uh, new cooperative, right? You know, we, we really don't even know what happened because they got real tight lipped once it started getting public, but last I checked, they were at 5.9 million. I don't think they have their data back yet. Yikes. 74% of executives with hybrid work environments believe their in-house IT security teams lack the capability to defend against ransomware. That's sad and funny at the same time. I wish I had a white flag because I wave it right now. Yeah. So that's... Um. 
and and you know we we know that statistically in 2020 that cyber attacks you know increased by somewhere depending on who you who you who you read between 400 and 600 percent and you know when the lockdowns happen even though that's that's been over a year and a half ago um it was pretty chaotic with people working from home and you know back and forth in the office we still have have and see some of that and i can just imagine that a that a c-level executive kind of watching that would just create tons of angst anyway because they know they're that you're you're taking them out of a protected environment or a more protected environment in the office because they probably have a decent firewall it's going to block a lot of the traffic through the ports and all that and then you put them in a home environment where you know you've got the 14 year old kid who's a hacker or you know who downloads you know stuff on LimeShare. Do kids still use LimeShare these days? But anyway, you know what I mean. They're bringing stuff into the home network. LimeWire and, or LimeShare? Yeah, I don't know. It's I think it's BearShare and LimeWire. I don't know something <laughs> like that. I don't use either one of those. But my point being that you might have some teenager that's doing something like that, like downloading music or whatever, that's bringing crap into the network, and you know, it's it's a pretty uh, chaotic environment this whole hybrid work. And that's, you know, I think that's the key in this executive is hybrid work environments. Um, and maybe they feel like their IT s- staff just lacks the capability to uh, to deal with it. I'm not sure about that part. So three out of four business owners think that they're, the guys that they have responsible for their cybersecurity can't even do the job. Yeah. Sweet. That makes me feel great. Um, I don't know about y'all, but that's just pathetic. When I know companies like us exist and we have the capacity to take on more business and then you read things like this. Right. It's like, how hard are you looking? Where, what are you trying to do as a business owner? Are you stepping up and looking for the resources? Or are you just looking at your current team? Because newsflash for you, any business owner that has, high, has IT staff and they've been with them for, let's say, an average of more than five years. Those people don't have the skills to do this stuff. So if you have a network engineer who built your network and constructed your network and you didn't send them to any kind of cybersecurity training or he hasn't done any cybersecurity training on his own, just because he knows how to make computers talk and make the network work doesn't mean he knows how to secure it properly. And I, I look at networks all the time and I see how they're constructed and how they're built. Um, and guys do things to make things work. They don't necessarily do things to make them secure, right? And you see a lot of configurations where you're like, well, you could do that a little better. Or you could make that a little secure by doing this or that. Um, and if your expectation is, is that those same people are going to be able to protect you from, from ransomware and cybersecurity threats, you're sorely mistaken. Um, now, I'm not saying everyone fits this boat. There are guys who go out and they get this knowledge and they get certifications and they are capable of doing these things when they were once just, you know, a network administrator. Um, but the reality of it is, is like business owners don't understand this stuff. They don't get that, you know, my network guy might not be keeping up with the times, although he's a really good network guy and we don't ever have any downtime. Uh, and like, I almost think that business owners get a false sense of security around these types of things. Like they kid themselves by telling them 
information that's really false at the end of the day, if you really want to analyze it and strip it down. Um, and, you know, 60% of executive executives believe their employees could not identify a cyber attack. Mm. So, you know, these numbers are high. You know, what's 60% of 1,400, like eight or 900 companies? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what do you guys, you know, how, I mean, what scares me is it doesn't say like IT employees. It just says employees. But at the end of the day, like, I don't think the average employee is going to be able to identify a cyber attack unless it's ransomware on their screen, you know, flashing, pay me money. Well, yeah. And it, it underscores the huge need for employee training. I mean, that's, that's in our stacks, the three of us as our, as businesses, that's in almost every list coming out of, you know, the government right now and cybersecurity experts, you've got to have employee trainings because they're the weakest link. Yeah. My and, concern is, is that this is not speaking to every employee. My concern is that that number is executives believing that their own technical IT employees could not identify a cyber attack, right? And, yeah, we, if- and, and, and we know straight up that ransomware attacks take a while to unfold. It's not like these hackers get into your network and within 30 minutes, they're deploying ransomware. They're in there for weeks, maybe days, maybe weeks, maybe months, figuring out what you have, where it lives, and, and everything that they to, can do to damage you, so you have to pay them. One of the things I'm talking about is they'll scope around your network to find where your backup servers are. And if you're not doing proper network segmentation and they find that on your network from an, another employee's computer, they're going to try to figure out how to move laterally, laterally in that network so they can then delete those backups. And you don't have backups to work with when you're negotiating the ransom. And they know this. And my concern is, is that like the executive, that this statement right here is the executive saying, yeah, we don't think our own IT people could recognize if like a cyber criminal was in our network moving around. Like the only way we're going to find out is when the ransomware, you know, software is flashing on the screen that we owe them Bitcoin. Yeah, this this statistic, they don't really give any explanation. You know, is it the IT employees? Is it all employees? Um, I think that both could be correct because of the previous statistic. 74% believe their in-house security teams or their IT people are unable to, to fend against ransomware. So, you know, regardless of which one it is, it's a, it's a dim, a grim outlook if it's true. And then I'll, go ahead, Andre. Yeah, I'll add too is they're polling the executives, and I think it's more uh, the executives that have no clue about cybersecurity, and now they're because they're not being talked. You know, their their IT people aren't talking to them about it. Good so point. They're confused. It just trickles down. Hundred uh, percent. Those results reflect the constant drumbeat of reports of successful <laughs> ransomware attacks that leave executives feeling vulnerable. So, I mean, I guess my my next thought process here is, is like, 
if like th these numbers are shocking to me because they're so ridiculously high. And what what is a business owner to do if they feel this way? Because it seems like there's a lot of people right here who we're talking to, right? It's close to 1,200, 1,400 CEOs of organizations, you know, when you're talking about 78%. So what are these 1,200, 1,100 CEOs, how, how can we make them feel better? Because... I feel like their perspective is distorted on what can, what's really going on out there. Like you can prevent this stuff. You can do a lot more to protect your companies and protect your critical assets and your data. What can we say to them? I mean, I mean, th this is why we're building this podcast and why we're trying to get this word out here. I mean, what can we say to them to make them realize that like you probably might, you might have the wrong team on the bench. Right. Yeah. I mean, I would add just, okay. So as a leader, if they're feeling angst about something, you know, you, you, as a leader, as a, as a business owner, you have to trust your gut a lot of times. And a lot of times things like this start as a gut feeling, then that gut feeling needs to motivate you into action. This is a problem. Like you're just now saying, this is a problem that can be solved. It's a problem that, you know, okay, in 1900, people were scared to death about living on the coast because of hurricanes. Now you can buy a house down there. You can reasonably protect your house. You can get insurance in case the worst happens. And you can sleep every night. You can sleep well, knowing that you've, that you've done everything you can to protect yourself. That's where the business owners need to get. They need it. They need to. They need to see that future mm -hmm. of them being able to sleep great at night and knowing that they're doing everything that they can, either to protect or remediate, because it's going to happen. So it, it's that's great motivating. That's a great point, and this is. And I, I guess I want to share my perspective on what that looks like for a business owner, right? Um, and what what we do here at Exact IT is we base everything on a risk score. Right. So if you're a business owner and you know what your risk score is, um, that risk score can allow you to understand where you have risk in your business and where you don't. Right. And if, and I think that's a lot of the anxiety that business owners have and why they feel this way is because they just don't know. Right. And a lot of times IT people tend to do things in silos. Right. Mm -hmm. like, and then and then the, the attitude of the business owner becomes, well, they have me covered. Right. And maybe maybe you feel that way and you're and you have a false sense of security because that guy's been your guy for 20 years and, and he's run your network. Well, you've never had any problems. But like I said earlier, it's a different skill set. And if they didn't acquire those skills, you basically, you know, you basically you know, just to give you a, a crazy example, you basically have a bus driver driving your ferry, right? You know, he, he, you know, that's the best example I can give you. Oh, well, he can drive a bus so he can drive a ferry. No, he can't. Like, <laughs> you know, you can't say a network engineer can protect your network. It's two different skill sets. And quite frankly, you should have teams of people who set up your network and then people who test that network to make sure the guy who set it up didn't leave doors open and didn't leave you vulnerable to an attack. It shouldn't be the same guy checking his own work because look, 
most people that can check their own work aren't going to be upfront about that we have this problem here that we have to now spend money on. Or, you know, there's a lot of different reasons, um, head trash, I'll call it, that a technician or an engineer might not want to come to the owner and say, you know, we have this vulnerability or we have this gap here because they might think, oh, if I tell them this, I'm going to lose my job. You know, and st- like stuff like that happens. And then the owners and the C-suite people don't find out about it. So I want to point out this one thing and then I kind of want to move on because we're running up against the time here. So um, despite recent interventions in the cybersecurity issues, executives lack faith in the government's ability to protect them from cyber threats, which is perfect. Like that's the attitude that they need to have, because I've said this before. The government isn't going to solve this problem. Biden, again, is having a bunch of countries come in and they're going to have a ransomware summit, um, which nothing will happen. Um, And we're going to continue as private businesses to continue to deal with this problem. And we have to do what we need to do to protect our critical assets and critical data. The concerning piece of this paragraph for me is um, adding that the majority of organizations, 60 percent, believe that spending on new security tools and services is the most effective way of stopping attacks. And the the key word I want to cue in on here is new security tools. Yes, it says end services, but my concern is, and what I'm seeing out there in the industry is that business owners think there's going to be some tool, some silver bullet, that comes along and solves this ransomware slash security problem. And I'm here to tell you today that you're living in fantasy land. There's no silver bullet. There's no one tool. You got to look at this like a sport, a sport or a football game, right? There's no, there's no one thing a NFL team or a college football team is going to do to, be a powerhouse or to win a football game. They, they plan, they start on Tuesday, they work for four or five days on a plan to beat the other team. And there's no difference between this and what we're doing in cybersecurity than what, you know, a football team might do to prepare for if I could draw that analogy, right. You know, these good football teams that are out there today, my Eagles are not one of them are not showing up every week hoping and, and, you know, this new gadget player, this new trick is what's going to, you know, make them the NFL powerhouse. It's fundamental blocking and tackling. It's in the trenches, you know, every, for however long football has been around, it's been done the same way over and over again, maybe little different flavors here and there. But fundamentally, in the trenches, blocking and tackling is where everybody knows every good football team starts. And it's the same thing with cybersecurity. Your team, your framework, your fundamentals, how you uh, incorporate cybersecurity as a piece of your business culture is really how you fundamentally beat this problem. Did I paint a good enough picture there? Because I tried to, you know, break it down to something that people can understand. But my fear is, is that people are going to think I buy this tool. You know, I buy this endpoint protection. I put this spam filter on my email and I'm good. That's my cybersecurity, right? 
and that's not the case. So I want you guys to kind of expand on that. Tell me if you disagree with me. Um, but that's a big concern for me is that these guys think that there's going to be a new security tool. And the other thing is, is that, you know, this also from the other side scares me because now you're going to have companies out there marketing their shit as the tool, the silver bullet, right? And companies are going to buy these tools thinking, well, I got, you know, black something security and, you know, I'm good. You know, and it just does one piece of the puzzle. So, yeah, there, expand on that for me. Yeah, there, there's no such. We don't need new tools. We just need what we have now to be implemented. Implement the two form factor. Do your updates. Don't have your passwords. You know, the same password multiple places. And and going back to your analogy with the fundamentals, if we just actually just follow the fundamentals, we for the most part would be all right right now. It's we're, we're seeing. You know, the solar wind hack and different uh, attacks that's been happening, it's because of the most stupidest and most preventative ways these companies are getting hacked. Mm -hmm. So that would be my thing. You, you mentioned what would you tell the business owners, you know, um, th exactly that. Just just go back to your fundamentals and more than likely your company is going to be protected. Well, and I, I would also um, kind of go off uh, on your and I agree with both you guys I'd go off with go off an add on to the whole football analogy. And once again, going back to 1900, in 1900, you're, you know, A&M's going to play University of Texas or whatever, and there's no, hardly any recon going on. I mean, they're just doing, you know, basic this and that, but your opponent is evolving, so you have to evolve. And yeah, there's some basic things that are going to, that are going to cover everything, but also the, the criminals are becoming more, you know, more um, sophisticated. So it, I see it as a both and, you know, cyber, the, the pipeline attack, somebody didn't get offboarded. You know, that's like security 101, like what you're saying. That, that's one of the basics. Um, but, you know, then there's other things out there that the opponents changed and we need to learn. I took a more um, positive view of that of that statement, Brian, just from the, from the fact of at least they were open to the idea that there, that there is hope. Um, and there is ways, although I feel like, like what you said, I agreed hundred percent with what both y'all said that, but I felt like even though they have hope, maybe they could be marketed to and fall for that whole silver bullet. Mm -hmm. It's not silver bullet. It's a layered approach. Right. You know, it's an approach that you've got hurdles at every single, every single level both for the hackers to get through um, and also for notification. So you can see something that's coming instead of just being surprised by it. So in this article, what it does for me is it reinforces the fact that, you know, one of the things we know as business owners is there's certain metrics in our business that we should pretty much always be aware of. Right. And, you know, it could be different for every business, but, you know, if you're a growth mindset business, you should probably know like, you know, your sales playbook and what those numbers look like and, you know, how many people you need to be talking to and, you know, what, how many, how many new appointments or how many calls you need to be making, you know, as a, as a C level, you might need to know the revenue and the net profit and, you know, have the health of the business from that standpoint. But 
you know, we've been saying for a long time that cybersecurity needs to happen in the C-suite and not in the IT, you know, room or IT department. And, you know, I just feel like your risk score around a ransomware attack or cybersecurity is one of those numbers that every CEO needs to know. Um, and like we're well beyond the days of that not being the case. Um, and, you know, I know all of my clients who engage with us for cybersecurity, they know what their risk score is because we cover it every quarter. Um, and that's, you know, a, another key metric that business, that CEOs, if they don't know that number or they don't have some way to quantify what their risk score is, then they're burying their head in the sand and they're just accepting the risk. And that's not a good thing. And then at the end of this Fox Business article, they kind of pile onto the data and go in and say, Veritas, um, they, they surveyed more than 2,000 global IT leaders. And it said that uh, they had experienced an average of almost three ransomware attacks per company that had led to downtime in the last 12 months. Right. So that's six thousand almost six thousand ransomware attacks. Now it doesn't mean all two thousand companies were attacked. One of those companies could have been attacked ten times. Right. That brings that average up. But I don't think the world knows or realizes that out of two thousand yeah. companies, there's two point five seven ransomware attacks that led to downtime. It doesn't even say what about the ones that didn't lead to downtime? Right. You only got one computer. You know what I mean? And, and then the downtime that in the last 12 months, by the way, in 12 months, and 14% admit to five or more ransomware attacks causing downtime in the last year. Five or more. So people, you're not hearing about 6,000 ransomware attacks a year. You're not hearing about this stuff. It's not making the news. You might hear about one or two big ones a month. <clears throat> But mm -hmm. that's the perspective I want people to have. 6,000 is almost 20 a day. Mm. <laughs> yep. You know, and these are big companies. These are only, this is only a sample of 2,000 companies around the world. So these numbers are mind boggling to me, right? And then I want to jump into quickly. Um, I'm going to pull up that Barron's article, but just, you know, we got this problem with businesses, right? You know, we don't want to pay the ransom or we're, we're telling businesses not to pay the ransom. But then we got this whole other industry over here, the insurance industry, that, you know, their kind of default thing is just pay the ransom, you know, because they want to move on and they don't want to spend the money uh, on you know, their team being in there and helping with the remediation and the quicker they can get in and out, you know, the less money it's going to cost them to deal with. Right. So, you know, Barron's did this little deep dive on, you know, what, how cyber insurers are contributing to this problem. Um, and one of the things that is, is a problem is that the, the, there's only maybe 10 or so, cyber insurers out there, like actual underwriters that provide cyber insurance. Um, and that list is dwindling. Um, 
the other the other problem is is that these you know ten or so companies keep going back to the same two or three companies to help out with the ransomware remediation. So now all these companies are kind of in bed together, right? And the model right now for insurance companies is let's just get these criminals paid and get the data back. So the first thing a, a ransomware operator wants to know, do you have cyber insurance? Right. And that, that shouldn't be something that should be known. Uh, and it sounds to me based on my research that these ransomware negotiators aren't being very smart in how they communicate because the ransomware people are picking up that these are the same guys. So they're at the point now where they're asking for specific negotiators over others because they know that they're more likely to get paid if they deal with this guy versus this guy. And it's like, it would be like if I'm the hacker and I know Randy will give me money, but Andre's a hard ass and he tries to get me down to zero every time. I'm sitting there on the chat going, hey, I want to talk to Randy if you're dealing with this insurance company, I want to deal with Randy and I don't want anything to do with Andre and I'm not even going to talk to Andre. And that's literally what's going on out there. So I don't know how as a business owner that makes you feel if you have cyber insurance. Um, but cyber insurance to me at this point, and I'm getting pissed off at the insurance industry, just so you know, and I'm kind of got my target set on them because I don't like it when, uh, an, when an industry who's had two major insurance carriers get hit with ransomware. And I'm talking about CNA insurance and Tokyo Marine who are both cyber insurance underwriters. And then they are coming out and dictating what tools like what Allstate did, what tools can be on Allstate systems or they're coming to MSPs and they're saying in their agreements that you must do this and this is how you must handle your operations, or we're not going to give you even E&O insurance, guys. They're denying E&O insurance at this point for our industry if you don't use certain tools or you don't do certain things within your business. I just don't think that that industry, who has no expertise in how to protect companies, has any business telling our industry and companies in our industry what to do. Our industry should be telling them what to do because we are the experts and they're the ones getting hit with ransomware. Now, I'm not saying IT companies aren't getting hit with ransomware because they absolutely are. But come on, like, like this is like the insurance companies telling the doctors how to how to do medicine. Right. And we know we all know how that goes. Mm -hmm. So. I just want you guys to share your thoughts for a couple minutes here on this um, and then we'll wrap it up. You kind of said it all on that aspect, man. I, um, it's, 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 um, that's why I still go back to it. It needs to start to get regulated. It, 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 we need some rules. There's no rules in place. So it's kind of like everybody just doing whatever, whatever sticks for that moment. And then that's it. Right, because now you have private businesses kind of self-regulating. Self um, and I can t the insurance business wants to make money off these types of policies and things like that. Um, but they're not going to continue to make stupid decisions when this is causing them to lose massive amounts of money. But 
I'd much rather see the insurance business just say, you know what, we're not going to cover cyber insurance or we're not going to pay ransomware anymore than do what they're currently doing, which is, okay, Mr. IT company, we're not going to give you an E&O policy, which isn't even a cyber insurance policy. It's an errors and emissions policy, which is like if you give bad advice or you screw up some kind of project or job, you know, that insurance is to cover you if somebody were to sue you for that, right? So they're saying, we're not going to give you E&O insurance if you don't do X, Y, and Z. Um, and I just feel like that that's bad. It's bad all around for our industry, for the insurance industry. Um, and I just don't, I think they're out of school talking to IT companies and saying like, you got to do all this stuff or we're not going to offer you insurance. Yeah, I, I would add, just add to this, like insurance, ought, your cybersecurity insurance at your company ought to be just that. It ought to be insurance. Insurance is not a cybersecurity plan. It's, it's, it's a last ditch safety net in case the plan doesn't work. That's the whole point of it. And so you need to set up your cybersecurity at your business to where you never need that cybersecurity insurance, to where you're never going to have to fall back on it. Um, I know that's not exactly what this article was talking about. No, but it's a great point because you're basically saying instead of walking in, maybe you're not saying this, but I think you are. Yeah. When the insurance company shows up to deal with the event, instead of automatically going to, okay, we're, we're going we're gonna to pay the ransom, which seems like that's what they're doing. Like, let's get in there and start negotiating, working on towards paying the ransom, coming in and saying, okay, have you executed your plan? And if it's like, what plan? Then the insurance company walks out the door. Yeah. Like, oh, you don't have a plan? Well, your policy said you had a plan. The other interesting thing that I read in this article, and unfortunately I can't highlight it because I can't go down, is that mo it did say in here that most insurance executives feel like there's no way, and I completely disagree with this, there's no way for these insurance companies to assess the risk on these businesses that are, you know, applying for cyber insurance. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me because that's what I do all day. We assess risk on businesses all the time. And I can come at you with a number and tell you exactly what their risk score is. So I can go to an insurance company and say, we just did an assessment on this business for you. And this is their risk score. Mm -hmm. So based on my risk score, you can come up with a number for a premium that'll help, that'll make money. But the, and I've talked to a lot of insurance companies about this guys, and they still give out the Excel spreadsheet. It's still self attestation by the business owner or whoever helps them fill out that form on what they're doing. Right. And there's no verification process that this is what you're actually doing or, you know, you have AV on all your computers, but is it actually on? Is it actually functioning? Is it actually doing anything? We can get that deep with this stuff and go back to the insurance companies and say, hey, here's where they're at. How much do you want to charge them for insurance? Because their risk score out of 100 is a 42. And this business over here, they're an 87. Right? And then that's the number that these insurance companies need to determine 
okay, this business is a huge risk. This business is a little risk. So we, you know, but the reality of it is, is that they're just dumping everybody into a pool and they're raising everybody's rates. Everybody's paying more for this stuff. And now they're looking for ways to not pay the claims. Yeah. It's, it's funny that you mentioned that because that shows a lack of understanding on their part of the problem. Right. But then the other side of the mouth, they're dictating, this is how you should deal going into it. This is what you should have on your computers going into it. But by saying what they're saying, they're saying they don't really understand the problem. 100%. So it's and the you know blind what? telling the leading the and blind that's why or whatever. I, said I have play. my target set on them because I'm going to do everything I can and use my platform to educate people that this is bullshit and how this is being handled. And I'll tell you what another thing that's bullshit that how things are being handled. CISA. They throw shit on the wall every week, every day, a new framework, a new thing, a new this, a new that. And then they come out and they give this ridiculous thing right before Labor Day on what small business owners should do if they're working for an MSP. And then they basically put in some fodder about some bullshit about how you should have a VPN set up between your MSP and your network and they should use the VPN to access your network and then you should use basically accounts that you turn on and turn off just like you turn it on when the MSP or the IT company needs to remote in and do their thing. And then you turn it off when they're done. And that is again, what you just said, Randy, CISA's basic understanding of how this shit works. That is the worst advice I ever heard our, our government cybersecurity wing give business is that an MSP should create a VPN into that client's network. No, that is the last thing you want to do. The last thing you want to do is in, is have a trusted network be able to connect into your network. That's you, you guys understand like how that makes my head explode, right? Like <laughs> you guys get it, right? Like the last thing you want to do is create this trust connection that somebody could eventually run into an exploit. And to me, that's just CISA's lack of awareness and understanding of how our business does business and a lack of understanding of what a VP, which is crazy to me, but it's reality when you put things out like this, um, a lack of understanding of what a VPN connection does and the trust level that that it exists on VPN connections between networks. Um, I don't, I can't explain it any other way, but when you create VPN connections, depending on how they're set up, but by default, they're typically trusted connections, meaning like you, you're allowed to dial in and your traffic is good traffic from my eyes. Any, any, you guys see it any different? It's a good point. I mean, um, CISA is really putting a lot of crap out there. And it's, it's almost like, you know, I've been in, in some like organizations where you feel like you're drinking from a fire hose. Well, this is like 15 fire hoses and the amount of crap that they keep putting out every week and people don't read it. People don't understand it. And, you know, if I really did a deep dive in what they're putting out, I'm sure I could find a lot of things that conflict with one another. Mm -hmm. And it's really frustrating to me because like, you know, we look at this stuff and we go, you know, the good thing for me is, is like that a document, no SMB is going to read it. Right. So it's never going to go anywhere. 
But like I, I felt like CISA was really speaking out of school there and doing our industry a disservice by putting that out. Um, but it's, you know, I look at that as the government bureaucratic kind of mindset that we just got to get things out there to make it look like we're doing something over here. Mm -hmm. That's exactly it. Thanks, Andre. So I don't know, guys, I'm going to wrap it up there. If you guys want to add anything, uh, we can kind of talk about it here, but, um, great discussion. I think we've brought a lot of insight and spotlight on some things that, a lot of people don't know about and aren't aware of. Um, so like I say at the beginning of the show, I'm going to say at the end of the show, if you were educated, if you learned something today, please share our show, share it with your network, share it with your community, share it with your friends and family. Um, you're not going to hear this anywhere else. You're not going to hear deep dives on statistics and what the real world looks like in terms of this stuff. And quite frankly, if you're not a business owner and you're just a consumer and you're just a dude out there, I'd be highly scared about giving my information to companies um, unless you don't care and you're just accepted the fact that your information is going to get compromised one day and you're just going to have to deal with things like identity theft. And, you know, God knows if, you know, your business owner, your company becomes a target because of, you know, a hack somewhere else. Um, these are things are all real. They happen every day. It's, it's, you see the numbers. We're not sitting here talking about things that happen to 10 or 20 businesses. Mm -hmm. We're talking about hundreds of attacks a day on businesses. And, you know, we don't hear about it in the news because it might not fit the agenda du jour, right? There's a lot of things being talked about out there, debt ceilings, infrastructure, Evergrande. At the whole time, there's thousands of ransomware attacks happening and it's just... Like, you know, I, I pitch these stories to these guys and they get back to me and say, it's not, it's not worthy to be on, you know, our, our broadcast, you know, it's not newsworthy enough. So, you know, these ransomware attacks are becoming making, they're becoming numb, right? You know, people are just like, Hey, you know, that, that new collect, that new cooperative thing didn't get much coverage mm -mm. and it's still ongoing right now. And nobody knows what's going on because, the mainstream media stopped writing about it. And I think they shut their lips realizing it was a bad idea to kind of publicly put this stuff out here. Um, and that's where most of these companies are out there, guys. They, they're not disclosing this stuff. They're not telling you that your information was compromised. Um, a lot of times they don't believe that their information was even compromised. Right, Andre? How many times did we talk about that throughout this mm -hmm. podcast? Um, so that's the reality and that's where we're at. So, that's it for me, boys. I'm ready to sign off. All right. Good, Get good. your credit reports locked. That's uh, that's, with, with, that's your that's your thing, Life man. Well, especially in light of what you were just saying just now, because there's a lot of stuff that's out there. I, you know, I think there was a new new thing with LinkedIn. Yep. Um, there's not enough criminals out there to get through the data. So just lock your credit report, and then you know that's right. not the the just end because, all, end just all, because but... there was a hack today doesn't mean your information isn't going to get compromised two years from now. Right. It's that they haven't gotten to you yet. Mm -hmm. They got a lot. They got a big database they got to get through. Big database. You know, and then you got hackers upon hackers compiling databases, right? From this hack, from that hack. You know, seeing if there's any similarities in names, email addresses, phone numbers, passwords. 
It's not good. That's what's going on. But these numbers are staggering, and I hope you learned a lot from this. And uh, we'll see you on the other side. We'll see you next time, next week. Secure Stock Podcast. Share us out.